BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Uh, welcome to pre-market prep. I gotta say, I'm a little bit surprised. I thought for sure Netflix was going to drag us down here uh, overnight, and yet here we are. And uh, markets were pretty mixed there for a while, but in the last few, last what, last hour or so? Uh, well, no, really, last yeah, last couple hours, we're really ripping here. Ripping it maybe is a strong word, but we are up across the board. Um, in in stock market land, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Netflix, of course. But now you've all seen that that news. It is a dumpster fire today. A lot of implications from that. We're running through the rest of the earnings slate. Uh, we have Procter and Gamble. Uh, we have uh, uh, Interactive Brokers, IBM, Tesla is tonight. We'll talk about that. Ryan Dietrich is today's guest from LPL Financial. He's their senior VP and chief market strategist. It'll be at eight thirty, and that's the show. So. Do us a solid. Smash that like. What's up, everyone in the chat? What's up, Shannon, Matt Miller, Miss Whitehorse? Good to see you all. Let's get this show on the road here. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, for the second day in a row, let's bring on Joel live from his dining room. Where he, can you turn your camera down a little bit so we can see your full face? See my oh, smiling there face. There we go. There we go. All right, kicked out of the basement for the moment, live from the dining room. Dennis is in his usual spot, as am I. Uh, well, let's talk overall market here quickly, and then we'll get to the story. Of the yeah, day. we uh, we dipped and we're ripping. We're above yesterday's high, up seventeen and a half handles at forty four seventy six fifty nine. Knocking on the door, forty-seven hundred. 
Uh, we have crude in the green by a buck sixty-three, a little rebound from yesterday at one hundred three sixty-eight. Uh, we have gold that's in the red by five fifty, nineteen fifty-three and a half. Silver in the red by six cents. It's 2532 and a half. Bitcoin sneaky under 40K, back up 680 at 42,200 and Ethereum futures. Uh, they're down 46, or excuse me, up 46 at 316150. So we got some green on the screen for the second day in a row. Uh, Triple D, how are you navigating that after hours dip and the morning rip? I mean, they're in the buy the dip mode after yesterday's action. It's kind of predictable that they would probably come in to buy the dip. I mean, it's very impressive that Netflix can lose 90 points and the market can be green right now. So if you were buying the dip last night, like every 100% of people on Twitter, Congratulations, you guys are rocking and rolling. Um, it, it was an impressive move yesterday for sure. The one thing I like about what we've been seeing, it's some of the names that have been beaten up the most that are starting to really bounce back yesterday. So at least you know it's a little bit of a reprieve. Is this is the bottom in? I mean, everybody wants to know it's the bottom in. I tell you, nobody knows the hardest market to predict. But right now, momentum has turned here again. So is there some trading opportunities in buying the dip? Absolutely. Is there long-term investing opportunities in buying the dip? Who knows? So as a trader, I am. I'm looking at buying the dip right now because you've got to turn and set them at least for a couple of days. But keep in mind that they can pull the rug out from under you quickly. But I do like the fact that obviously Netflix and all tech destroyed last night and the overnight traders have come in and bought all those dips other than Netflix, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, we watched the whole market turn on that Netflix report, and um, I thought surely yeah. this is going to lead. This is going to have some follow through this morning. Follow through for Netflix, maybe, but for the overall market, not so much. So oh, I thought so. I thought so too, Spencer. And please yeah. don't call me Shirley. Okay. Hardy, hardy, hardy. All right. Let, let's go Leslie to Netflix Nielsen here. If you uh, if you haven't seen that, uh, I mean, I'm sure you have by now. Frankly. Um, Tough, tough, tough report. Basically a disaster for Netflix. Uh, earnings per share above estimates. Sales missed. We don't care about really either of those numbers, though. All we care about is their subscriber growth. The bogey was 2.5 million. They had previously said, we think we're going to increase our subscriber base by 2.5 million subscribers in the first quarter. What actually happened is they lost. Subscribers for the oh. first time since October of 2011, Netflix reported negative subscriber growth. Um, now, well, let's dive into this a little bit. Part of this was due to Russia. Let, let's be clear about that. Uh, mm-hmm. They did, like many many companies, um, in the course of the, the month of March, um, exited the Russian market. Uh, they canceled. Their services in Russia, they canceled all their Russian memberships. That did account for seven hundred thousand, um, uh, a loss of seven hundred thousand subscribers. So it's not it's not nothing, but that seven hundred thousand subscriber loss from Russia does not account for the the rest of the disaster. It was still going to be bad even yeah. with Russia because even if you even if the war in Ukraine didn't happen and they are every everything in Russia is fine and dandy, they still would have only gained half a million subscribers last quarter. 
which is well below that two and a half million number that they'd previously guided, right? So um, they, they reported a subscriber loss. And then going forward, they guided that for the year, uh, for the current quarter, they will lose another two million subscribers. It's not just confined to one. That's quarter. bleeding, man. They, they are bleeding. They, they, they yeah, will, they will lose. They will lose subscribers this quarter as well, uh, is what the company said, and they they gave a lot of reasons why. Uh, mainly speaking, uh, they blamed uh, macro factors like the war in Ukraine. They blamed account sharing, and which. We know that people do, and they blamed uh, competition. Hulu, HBO, Amazon, Apple, right, coming for them. Disney, we know this. Yeah. Um, so there really isn't a lot to like out of this report. Um, if you think back to yesterday's show, uh, we were speculating: uh, Is there ever going to be a day when Netflix, you know, brings advertising on the platform? That seems like it's going to happen now based on the comments from the call yesterday uh, or not so much a call more of like a uh, a, a pre-recorded uh pre-recorded show there or whatever but with, with Reed Hastings uh he said that it makes a lot of sense to offer a cheaper option with ads it's pretty clear this is a, a quote it's pretty clear it's working for Hulu Disney's doing it HBO did it I don't think we have a lot of doubt that it works. So they have, for the moment, reached a subscriber ceiling. And one of the ways to keep growing is to offer a cheaper tier with ads. So that's a that's that's good, I guess. But that- cut down the password sharing, which everyone does. They estimated there might be a hundred million people. That, yep. I think just in America, yep. they were saying that are, are password sharing. So yep. literally, like half their subscribers aren't paying, <laughs> or people yep. watching it aren't paying. Yeah. So something to um, think about. Um, I believe, and I, I don't know, maybe somebody else in the chat can talk about this, but I believe there's only two shareholders left in this stock: Bill Ackman <laughs> and me. And you, because I've read on Twitter everybody sold yesterday. All the analysts, you know, everybody. So I'm pretty sure the only people taking heat on this trade is me and Bill Ackman. So we're the only ones that should be crying about this today. But actually, technically, if I want to be really disingenuous, I don't own Netflix either. It's my wife's RSP. So I could be really disingenuous and say, I don't own any Netflix, even though it's in my wife's RSP. So, But I'm not going to be that. I'm going to say I do own it, even though it's my wife's RSP. Uh, but, you know, this is the way Twitter is. They'll tell you about their winners. Everybody will tell you about the winners. But absolutely nobody owns Netflix, and they all, all knew to sell ahead of the report. So congratulations. You guys are all geniuses, guys and girls, all geniuses. I wasn't. I did not sell the stock out of my wife's RSP yesterday. I told you I had a small position going in. It was a half-size position. And now it's a quarter-size position because it just got cut in half almost again. So uh, Bill and me, the only bag holders here, and my wife apparently, the only bag holders here on Netflix. Uh, Monthly levels is the only thing you can rely on here. And uh, we are currently trading uh, just off the lows of the pre-market session. So uh, we have have some nice confluence there. Uh, The pre-market low is uh, 52.55. And then if you go to your monthlies... Uh, you have a monthly low. Go. This is going way back to 2019. You had a monthly low at 252.28, and the next month's low was 257.01. So, 
it's in a zone there. Uh, it, it stopped going down as fast. I think that's like the biggest, you know, the most bullish statement I can make about it. it it's just trickling down. So obviously the pre-market low, 52 uh, along with 52.28. Uh, this might be a, a whoops trade candidate where it go, you know, bust through all the pre-market lows. They clear out the stops at 250. They take it down to 248.77 or something. And then come back up through that open, you know, so that way you're just, you know, you're not getting down. At least you would have a reference point to to stop yourself out at. If it goes down, makes a low, and then comes back and take out the open. Uh, but 52.28, September 2019 low. It's just remarkable because this stock, if you go on, on the monthlies, this was a darling for a decade. I mean, there's some, they, again, first subscriber loss since October of 2011. They've been growing like gangbusters quarter over quarter for yeah. for 11 years here, right? I, I mean, mean, hindsight capital 2020. It does make sense. The competition was coming. We've talked about this. I talked about this is why I wasn't buying Netflix at six seven hundred. Yeah, you're cutting half to three fifty, and I was like, well, maybe some of this is priced in. Apparently not. So mistake by me. Um, all the analysts. Let's talk about these guys here, guys and girls, because we got a pile of them downgrading it today. Thank you so much. I appreciate that so much. That help of downgrading the stock here after it's fallen thirty percent. And the other thing. And I have heard this for a long time. I cannot verify it. But what I've heard, and I don't know if it's true, but we need to do some more research, is that a lot of analyst firms will mark them from the close. Meaning if they come in and downgrade the stock that like last night and the stock's trading at 260, they'll say, well, they downgraded the stock closed at 348 and they mark them from 348. I don't know if that is true, but I've heard this from, uh, from some prop traders in the industry as well. And from some other traders in the industry, that that's how a lot of them do it. I don't know if they all do it that way. But if they are doing it that way, that's awful. So I don't know if that is true. We don't have verification that is true. But that was going around on Twitter this morning um, that, you know, the analysts that downgraded here this morning actually get marked that they downgraded the stock when it was at 348 because it hasn't officially reopened yet for trading. So they've downgraded it when it closed at 348 yesterday. If that is true, that's one of the worst things I've ever heard. I hope that's not true. Shout out to Laura Martin and I'm going to we're going to do our best to get her on the show here cuz she is a uh, she's the upgrade. She's the outlier going against the whole trend today upgrading Netflix only to neutral. Uh clearly this is on the comments about the advertising cuz she's been she's been pounding the table on that for a few years now, I think. So um She's she's been bearish. She's been right, and now she you know she you can see here she had an underperform rating on the stock, and now she thinks all right, the the washout has happened. I'm going to neutral. Um, so she thinks maybe the worst the worst is over for Netflix, and maybe she's right. I don't know. She's she's been right so far. Uh, but credit to her for being at right. least she's got some guts, and at least she was bearish coming in. So, yeah. Yeah. big time credit to her. Let's get her on the show. Yeah. She was the one analyst that had to sell, and all these other lemmings had to buy. I mean, here you got Pivotal. Let's call some of these people out, all right? Pivotal, this buy to sell, yeah. And, and oh, yeah, you had a buy on it, it just falls yeah. 27%. Now you tell me to sell it. Does uh, does Laura get the mark from yesterday? Did she get that ridiculous? Yeah, question? does she go and get like she, uh, like that? Uh, yeah, probably not, Joel. That'll be done today. Just saying, the analysts like this is obviously not real money they're playing with. It's they're making calls, right? So, you know, 
I, I don't know if some firms are doing it like that, but you know what we were just do you know about? do you know who uh who is probably the happiest man on Wall Street? Michael Pactor. Yeah. Yeah, I knew you were gonna go. Yeah, he's also Pactor was you see I gotta listen to Pactor more often. He doesn't go astray. We love Michael Pactor. Well, first an, first analyst to ever come on this show. The guy's given me two takeovers, three takeovers now. He's given me three takeovers in the gaming industry. He told me not to buy Netflix, and I didn't listen to him. I bought it three years later and I bought it at the wrong price. I mean, this guy's just rocks. Get Michael Pactor back on the show. He is my hero. I'm just going to start my long-term portfolio just listening to whatever Michael Packer says and following his advice. I, I, he did upgrade the stock like a month ago. Oh. So, <laughs> to what? Oh, no, what's his price? Just, just destroyed everything oh, I just he, said. He, he's gone to neutral because he was Barris oh, Ethics all the way up. And then he went and then he was like, and then he, I think he thought some of that was priced in. Uh, oh, I thought so. What's too. his Maybe price that's target? Why I bought it. I don't know. I, don't even look at I, I I'm just curious. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't know. I'd have to. Uh, I don't want to find it right now. Yeah. But look okay. at these analysts. Okay, so you have just to start off. You got one, two, three, four, five. You got eight downgrades today. Two of them going from buy to sell. Bank of America and Pivotal. Thanks yeah. so much. Yeah. I mean, and then so we got Laura. Laura. Laura Martin. Yo, yeah. Laura Martin. Laura Martin, you're my hero. Need him. We're gonna get you on the show. He's the hero you actually today. How to sell on it? I should have listened to you, Laura. Uh, my wife's name's Laura, so I guess I got to listen to all Laura's going forward. <laughs> Underperform two holes. So you're is, you don't have the right to upgrade away. the stock today. Went ring the register at two fifty three, Laura. You're my hero. All right. Someone said they're looking for two thirty six today. Boy, oh boy. I, I mean, it can it can do anything. I, I I don't know. I think he's, you're gonna. There's gonna be a bounce. I mean, at some no, point, doesn't have to be anything, Joel. There, that's what they <laughs> said last night. Bring up the after hours chart. Every <laughs> person that just said there's gonna be a bounce has not gotten the bounce at all. It yes. continues to leak despite the S and P futures rallying 30 handles here. Netflix hasn't went up a sniff. So we are sitting right here near the pre market lows. It could continue to leak. I'm long the thing. I got a small size position. My wife's RSP. Smaller now. I'm holding that thing now, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I'm also long Disney, so I'm getting hit over there. And I have uh, a, a decent size position in Disney, actually, which is not good news for me. Look at this. So, so yeah, I was going to go there next. You can go go across the streaming board here. Roku, yeah, Disney, yeah. Paramount. Fubo, Destruction, Warner Brothers, Discovery, yep. WBD, all of them down in yeah. the after-hour session. Yeah, thank you very much, Netflix, for that. Set the bar. We got the bar set low. The one thing Netflix did good for everything right now is it set the bar low. And you can say, oh, I, it's. I think it sets the bar low for even Tesla. You know, and and there's right. nothing to do with it, but it's like they they s h i blank the bed so bad. Yeah. That the next big company that reports, if they don't absolutely blank the bed, oh my god! I mean, Dude. they could rally on it. So I think they actually set up the bar. Tesla's going to report here tonight. I actually believe this. They set the bar not only low for Paramount, Disney, and all them when they report, but they set the bar low for the next big mega cap tech company, and that's Tesla. So be interesting to see what the response to Tesla earnings is. Disney looks correct. Disney's down seven bucks. Disney, Disney looks awesome. Yeah. It looks terrible. It's making new lows on the move. It's not good news. <laughs> looks so bad. It filled the gap. This is investing for you. I mean, to a certain extent, I've been poo-pooing investing for a while. I'm getting to a point where I'm like, I should just trade and not invest at all. 
because it's like you get up in the stock, it's doing really well, la, la, la. Let's just say you're a long-term investor in Square. La, 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 la. You buy the stock at 50, and you're like a never hold. I, I hold forever. Warren Buffett never going to sell. Goes to 50, 60, to 100, to 200, to almost $300. And that's back at 125, and you're like, eh. Okay, eh. So, so, both, so both things can be true. You can agree that all of this move was stupid, and be and still be bullish to stock long term, which is sort of where I'm at, right? I, I you can like I think that this was dumb. Wouldn't it have been smart though to sell some stock along the way and then rebuy it here now? If I had known it was going to come down, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, I didn't know that. Next time I'll I'll have to ask. But I mean, geez. But people think as a trader, I'm so risky, and you know, the only way to play the market is long term investing. There is this, you know, out there. That that is said constantly. You cannot time the market. I will tell you, my trading account is fairly consistent. Fairly consistent, meaning I haven't had a down month in my trading account in 20 years. I'm not joking. My day trading account, I have not had a down month in 20 years. In my investing account, it's all over the map. It's up, it's down, it's left, it's right. You know it's 20 March. It was way high. Now it's way low. That, that is, like... there's one there's one fundamental reason for that. What? You don't go short in your investment account. And, and that's pretty much probably it. It's yeah. right. I never I mean, short a stock yeah. in my long-term retirement yeah. account. And neither do I. And so I'm, that, I'm trading it. market neutral in my day trading account. What does yes. that mean? It means if I'm long 100,000 worth of stocks or 200,000 worth of stocks, I'm usually short 200,000 worth of SPY or Q or IWM against it. I'm trying to reduce the market risk by hedging. So, and what it does is it smooths your performance. So instead of, you know, you know, you're extracting alpha from maybe you like this setup or in the chart or, you know, there's news, there's an upgrade, there's something you're doing, you're buying a stock for a reason. Well, then I turn around, I short some S&P against it, some SPY against it. To, in case the market tanks tomorrow. So all I'm worried about is that relative performance. I'm trying to extract the true alpha from my strategies. So it is. It's 100% it's the hedging that smooths yes. my earnings curve in yeah. the trading portfolio, where the investing goes like this, da-da-da-da-da, up and down, up and down with the overall market. I mean, mine doesn't go as much because, one, I have a lot of cash. But two, the main reason is um, that I'm lower beta stocks like you, Joel. I mean, we're, yes. in, we're in higher dividend stuff. More conservative stuff, heavy position of Merck, Pfizer, boring stocks boring. that are moving around 50, 60%, besides the small piece of Netflix, which is getting yeah. murdered. But I mean, it, it does. It smooths your overall curve, the hedging portion of so it. And question. people don't do that. All right. I mean, in Robin, they don't even allow you to short, Joel. So you can't, even, it's not even an option right. to like I, hedge. Yeah. Which is I, asinine. It's, it's, it's puts. insane. I mean, they let you put puts, but those, we know. Those it's insane stories. they don't give you that ability to hedge yourself that's nuts to me like okay you can buy puts buying puts isn't a hedge because you're paying that premium all the time so you're always going to be having an expense so it's different so i mean i'm not saying every trader's got to trade market neutral but i'll tell you at bright trading are almost all the traders are trading market neutral that's what a hedge fund is like people don't understand what a hedge fund is hedge fund in itself is hedging so, you know, yeah, there's long only, there's different types, but a real true hedge fund is trying to minimize the market risk by neutralizing it by shorting other, you know, indices or stocks against their long book. That's what it is. 
So, Fang, as we know it, is dead. The question now is, do they come for the rest of the Mega Cap technique? Well, actually, they've already came for Facebook. So, <laughs> Facebook, you're gone. Netflix, you're gone. We've got Apple. we got Amazon. we got Microsoft. we got Alphabet. Uh, Tesla's tonight. Um, Mega Cap tech in focus. Uh, the bar lower for them? Yes, I think we're in agreement on that. Uh and but now is different is, business. I mean, I yes, it's true. Yeah, it's yeah, true. yeah, different business. But is this just a sign of things to come that you know we're heading? You know, the, the odds of a I'm gonna say it recession have gone up in the last month and a half, right? Uh, with with, with the war in Ukraine and, and all and all the the inflation and all, and all that jazz. Is this just a sign of things to come for the rest of Mega Cap? Maybe I you, you can't write that off now, you really can't. So I don't know. I, I think mean, another thing, and we could probably move on from Netflix after this. It's uh, yeah. um, it's uh, you know, it's the reop- the reopening. You know, I think people were you know jammed at home, and uh, you know now they're they're getting out and they're doing things and cutting the cord. That's it. I mean, a lot of different factors there, but uh, we'll see. I, I think that's a big part of it, Joel. There was pull forward. You know, you can say as much, and I think you're absolutely correct. Um, you know, we've, 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 you know, talked about the Zooms, the Teladocs, the pull forward that a lot of these businesses had, yep. um, obviously. And Netflix had the same thing. There's no doubt they had a lot of business pulled forward. So people who were never going to subscribe to Netflix sat at their homes like, what am I going to do? And they subscribed to Netflix. So you pulled a lot of that business forward. So it's actually not surprising with competition increasing that this has happened. A shame on me for not, you know, realizing it and not dumping the stock out of my uh, wife's RSP, which I should have did. At one point in time, I was up 100 points on that. Now I'm down 100 points on it. So, I mean, it's... um, you know, but you try to separate it. And you try to say, oh, you don't want to start trading your long-term account. You got a thesis and you believe in Reed Hastings and Bill Ackman jumps in your position. And you're feeling pretty good. I mean, it's hindsight capital's 2020 always. The, the bottom line is when you own 50 or 60 stocks, and the majority of people don't do this, but I've, you know, built some wealth over my life and I own a lot of stocks. I used to own 100. I'm probably down to about 40 or 50 now. But the bottom line is when you own, let's say, 100 different stocks, there's always, one dump, there's always one dump. There's always one dump. There's always one dumping on you. You know, you're never going to get a hundred for a hundred every single day. It's all about diversification. And in the long run, if I look and I looked at my account today, and the S and P's trading up, you know, 03 percent, the odds are that my account could actually be green, despite having a Netflix destruction, because you're diversified and you're in a whole bunch of other stuff. If zero point and literally, I don't think it's even 1%. I think it's like a fraction of a percent on my account. Not saying that's a good thing. It's still a bad thing that I own it. But diversification is key in long-term you know, investing, I think, too. So where I'm just trying to basically mimic you know, the S&P performance. On my long-term account, I'm not trying to really outperform. You're trying to have some fun. But you're really just trying to keep up with the market. In trading, that's where I'm trying to outperform. That's where I'm trying to um, you know, extract the alpha. That's where I'm trying to get that edge. There's a big difference between trading and investing. The, the last thing, and then we can move on to the other stuff here, but uh, I'll give Netflix credit because a lot of times if you only look at an earnings press release or listen to the call you and, 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 you, and you don't look at the stock at all, you would have no idea whether the stock is up 20% or down 20% because the, the, these CEOs can be very rosy 
on their calls and they love to, you know, say, oh, yeah, we had a great quarter. And, and you would never know that, like, they badly missed estimates, right, based on just the call itself or the PR itself. Netflix, to their credit, they did not pull punches in their shareholder letter yesterday. They did not. They, they were brutally honest. They said, yes, this is not good. Here is why we think it's not good. Here's how we think we can fix it, but it's not good. So give them credit for at least acknowledging that, you know, um, it's not good. <laughs> I mean, they could have, you know, said, yeah, you know, we're, you, oh, we have all these great shows. Stranger Things is coming back. All these huge hits could go us, but no, they didn't. So give me, I'll, I'll, I'll at least give them credit for, for, for that, for being honest, because, um, their business is at an inflection point right now. Let's move on. So let's move on and let's talk the S&Ps because the S&P has moved up relative to this. And let's talk what is strong today because when yeah. you see Netflix and tech, I mean, Amazon is down too here this morning. Facebook is trading down here this morning. you got big major S&P components that are trading in the red here, Joel. But we are now green by 16 handles. So there's obviously something picking up the slack. So I can go to my trusty uh, quote monitor, which I have 200 stocks up and just start looking at sectors. Semis are really picking it up here this morning. The chips, NVIDIA, AMD, both having great mornings here. Um, you can look at the airlines are having strong mornings here, despite oil being up here on the day. You're seeing a, a value trade for sure happen here. I can see a lot of the value stocks that in my portfolio, the lower PE stuff that's lifting uh, this morning as well. So it's a little bit of lift across the board. It's nothing really oh. super strong, but kind of everything except um, some of those, you know, growthy tech names is trading. Well, here. you mentioned value, Dennis. You mentioned value. Yep. What's a value stock? IBM. Uh, yeah. There we go. Yep. Value stock. And they do, were- I do IBM. Yeah. I mean, this is a haven't been able to see this for a while, but but what what a good time to be IBM right now. Yeah. I mean, the, the earnings last night, uh, above estimates on the EPS, above estimates on the sales, and uh, they're not growth. They're not Netflix. So, okay. That's all it took. That's and the funny took. thing here is this was not even like a blowout numbers. If I, I'm going to tell you something funny, and this is how crazy the market is. If IBM would have reported first last night, I think it would actually have been down on this. But after Netflix just got destroyed and said everything wrong, IBM came out and slightly beat. And they're like, buy IBM, buy IBM, <laughs> buy IBM. That's honestly how the market is. It's like they were geniuses to report five minutes after Netflix because you were just seeing stuff get absolutely pummeled. And then IBM came out and they didn't miss. And it's like, oh, that's where you want to be. <laughs> and that's what money managers, they bought that. And the algorithm, algorithms bought that IBM off quarter two. Was this a great quarter for IBM? No, but it wasn't a bad quarter. And after the Netflix debacle, it was good enough. It wasn't bad. (laughs) It wasn't bad. It was good enough. Good enough is good enough. Timing. Timing is everything. Timing. Time these reports, Joel. Time these right. Let's hold our little, you know, okay report till after the Netflix crap show. (laughs) Worked well. Wow, that, that, that's pop, the yeah, the, wow, the uh, at big range on that first bar. I, I don't know why they took it down off that number, but they did. So we'll throw out the low. We'll look at the high pre market after hours high one thirty four eighty eight. Uh, I want two things. I want to check here. I want to check the level that spiked to on that upgrade day and kind of had a bad day in the market. But uh, that was one thirty fifty eight. We're trading well above that. Uh, but th- just right now, and I'm not, I'm not 
I wouldn't uh, uh, put a, a huge star level on it, but um, interesting at 133 for me. And the reason is, is that you had two highs in that area, uh, 133.08, 132.04. So I see a 131.88 right there. It kind of, It's trading above that. So that's one target on the upside, 133. And after that, it kind of opens up a little bit more. But yeah. And on the downside here, it's tough. I don't think you're going to get a shot. You might. I mean, sometimes they have a, you know, someone comes in quick off the open. Top of yesterday's range, 129.40. Uh, but with like a strong market and just like the, you know, like the, the, the tone of the market right now, I don't think you're going to get it at the top of yesterday's range. It all matters this, and I, just to make my point, IBM last quarter ha- had $3.35 worth of earnings and th- on a 314 estimate, and then 16.7 billion sales and 16.06. So they beat by more last quarter. The stock opened up that day 30 cents. Yeah. So, I mean, it just goes to show you, like, here we're opening up three bucks on a basically just almost, you know, in line. And they beat pretty pretty strong last quarter, and they go up 30 cents. So, I mean, you can't just take these numbers at face value and say this equals this, this equals this. Obviously, there's guidance, there's other stuff involved. But it's sentiment. And it's like, all of a sudden, Netflix just set up a bar low for everything they're reporting that night. And obviously, you know, IBM did okay. Let's, let's bring our guest on and get his thoughts on all this. Ryan Dietrich, um, Chief Market Strategist at LPL Financial, Senior VP there as well. Let's get him on the show now. And uh, Ryan, good morning. Um, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, let's start with this broad market higher this morning. How surprising is that to you? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. If you need to hire, you need indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Yeah, good morning, guys. Thanks. Oh, a little feedback there. Okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. Um, glad to be here. Yeah, I'm not overly surprising. I mean, yesterday was the best day we've seen since March 16th, at least on the S&P. But I'll tell you, I, I just scribbled some notes. I'm going to see if I can read my own writing. You know, everyone's talking about Netflix, right? I can't give individual recommendations. I'm just going to talk broadly here. So we know Netflix, but check this out. J.B. Hunt's CFO said demand is the strongest in 27 years. IBM, like you just talked about, was overall bullish IT spending. And Manpower said requests for skilled workers is at a record high. 
So, yes, we're going to talk about the market and why it could be continue to be choppy and some of the themes I've talked about before. But I think the truth is the underlying pinnings of this economy are still pretty solid. We're in the middle of earnings season, like we're all talking about. So far, pretty good. Yeah, Netflix bombed. But overall, things are still pretty solid. I think that's kind of a little bit maybe why we are higher yesterday and then following through today. But- oh, we're oversold. I mean, everybody's had this bearish sentiment. And it, it cycles. It goes in waves. A sentiment itself goes in waves. As the stocks start to go up, people start feeling a little better. As the stocks are going down, people start feeling a little bit worse. But I mean coming it's hard so i mean this is why we love your stats when you come and you bring us you know we're in a rising interest rate environment now but you've shown us you know before that obviously the market can go up in a rising interest rate environment as per your stats back from 2018 i believe it was but thought you know thoughts on the overall market here because we just seem to be going really nowhere like i mean we feel like we're gonna get start going up and then we start coming down again then we start going up we've really been in a year of just like kind of just chopping around and going nowhere that's true. Tell me you see my screen. Do you see that? Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. We, we good now? Yep. Awesome. So I brought a few, like I like to do with you guys, I like to bring a few charts for you. I mean, you know, what did we know coming into this year? It's kind of what you just said there, Dennis. Kind of choppy, right? Last quarter is one of the weakest quarters out of the four-year presidential cycle. This quarter, out of 16 quarters of a presidential cycle, it is what it is, is the worst quarter on average. Next quarter is not that great either. Midterm years tend to be choppy and frustrating. We're fully aware of all the headlines, the inflation risk. You know, the Fed is hawkish, the global geopolitical concerns, economy's not all, I mean, economy's pretty solid. It's not that great. It's slowing down, no question. Look what the IMF just did yesterday, right? Pretty good cut in GDP globally. But we knew coming in, things are pretty uh, pretty choppy. Now, hopefully this works. The next, next slide there, here's one thing that kind of worries me. If you want to talk about worries, overall, we're still structurally bullish, yes. But we just talked about when do markets bottom in a midterm year? I've showed all the midterm year lows going back to 1950. Intra-year pullbacks about 17%, right? We had about a 15% correction earlier this year into the March lows. But it's not till August 14th is your average bottom during a midterm year. Median is actually September 4th. So could we have hit the lows earlier in March 8th? Yeah, we, we could have. But I'll just say that maybe there's one more whoosh lower that could be needed to kind of flush things out. And I, I know you guys share lots of charts like this, but cyclicals are breaking down all over the place. I got different cyclical things on here. This is relative strength versus the S&P. So it doesn't mean we're outright bearish, but we have to be aware of what's going on when you see home builders and broker dealers and what else we got on there? Retailers and transports. But what's doing well, like you guys talk about a lot, the more defensive things. We think this is more of a mid-cycle slowdown a la 94, 95, early 95. It's not necessarily the end of the bull market. It's not the end of um, you know, the economic cycle of growth, but potentially just kind of a well, defensive stuff's leading. So let's kind of play that and see where it's going. And we'll have bits and bits and, uh, you know, fits and starts with things, but that's where we are now. But just two more things, then I'll maybe shut up for a second. You know, people are pretty bearish. So I'm talking about some potential worries, right? Defensive things leading midterm years to the bottom for the year, later in the year. But everybody's bearish all of a sudden, it feels like, and rightfully so. Is the, This is the Global uh, Fund Survey by Bank of America, the smallest, or how do I want to word this, the lowest um, expectations on future growth since when? Since October of 2008. Then that AAII sentiment poll that everybody looks at every Thursday, uh, lowest in over 30 years. I'm sharing that there. But here's where it really matters, if you ask me. Share this on Twitter. It was pretty popular yesterday. There's, actually, I don't know how many. Oh, 31. There's about 31 other times. The bulls were less than 20%. 
what happens next? Well, it is what it is. You can see that there 12 months later, higher 30 out of 31 times. Full disclosure. A lot of those are, yes, uh, they're clusters, right? A lot of those happen together. Yes, it's a small sample size. Yes, it's kind of the same people voting or, or uh, you know, voting every week. Yes, they're probably the Kathy Wood arc guys that are hammered versus if someone's in, you know, energy or something or not feeling that bad right now. But still, a year later, so my point is maybe some more choppiness and frustration could be the play here. That's not the end of the world, but just kind of be aware that makes sense in a midterm year. So I just talked a lot. Maybe I'll be quiet for a minute. <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing that I've got, Ryan, is there's just so many mixed signals, yeah. though, right? I mean, yeah. we, we know this stocks have been choppy, but bonds suck, right? Yeah. I mean, so, like, where do you go? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a good technical term for our bonds. I mean, this has been literally like one of the – I think I saw the other uh, last night that uh, TLT, you know, long-term treasuries, down like 28%, largest bear market ever for long-term treasuries. I mean, the answer, well, you know, what happened? Stocks are down 5% in the first quarter and um, bonds are down 5% in the first quarter, give or take, looking at the Barclays Ag. Well, commodities obviously did well, right? I mean, we're, we've, we've been optimistic commodities. I mean, energy energy and materials make up about 7% of the S&P 500. That's one apple, right? When you put that in context, it's like, wow, there's been a big bounce in those groups. Relative strength still breaking out. I mean, look at steel names looking good, copper names. Now, I know they pulled back yesterday and maybe a little more today, but you know, structurally, those still make some sense. So if you say 7% of the S&P 500 is materials energy, we'd say maybe tilt a little bit more there. That's one place to go. But just investors, and I know it's all about time frames. I, I take probably a bigger time frame look than you know, maybe a lot of people listening um, on this show might, but just be aware choppiness makes sense and, and it's not the end of the world. I do want to point out one other positive thing, you know, inflation. Everybody talks about inflation, right? Well, used cars make up 4% of CPI. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it actually is. Used cars were a big part of why inflation was so was over 6% last year. All right. We've seen a huge drop in used car prices the last two months. Kind of a canary in the coal mine that, hey, maybe inflation is starting to uh, come down a little bit. The other one I want to point out is um, look at shipping costs, right? It used to cost like 2000 bucks to ship um, a container from Shanghai to New York. All right. Then it went up to like 14000 15000 They're down 30%. If you look at Shanghai to LA, New York, Rotterdam on average, down 30%. This is more, you know, positive stuff. It's not all great, I'm aware, but those are that's potentially a positive. And then the other thing is, this is getting geeky on you, but there's something called sticky inflation and flexible inflation. The Atlanta Fed does this. All you got to know, look at the chart here. You know, in the 70s, sticky and flexible both were high. What have we seen recently? Flexible, really high. Sticky core inflation hasn't gone up that much, potentially meaning that other inflation could come back down nearly just as quickly as it went up. But what does that all mean? Everyone knows the Fed is, is hawkish, rightfully so. I, you know, uh, Churchill said it's better to jar jar than war war. I think there's a lot of talking with the Fed. We think, yeah, we're going to see 50 point cuts, uh, hikes in X2. Maybe, though, if inflation comes back, that's the, the the kindling to get this thing going again later in the year when we don't have all the hikes that everyone is expecting right now because inflation is going to finally start to roll over. Yeah, I think I, I agree with your sentiment on that. Uh, uh, Powell stuck with the transitory, you know, yep. for too long, right? And he was proven wrong. So he said, you know what? I'm going to pivot and I'm going to go the other way and I'm going to mm -hmm. become, you know, more hawkish. And uh, the market uh, the market reacted to that. Uh, Ryan, I mean, what about the, the financial sector? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, JP yep. Morgan, I mean, these stocks are, are down. They're down for the year. They're down more than the S&P 500 mm -hmm. uh, in a supposedly yep. rising interest rate environment here. Are these things just, uh, are they under, 
uh, you know, underpriced here. And I'll just go, I know you like to mm-hmm. stay broad here, but yeah. talk a little bit about Fine. the financials Fine. here in this environment. Yeah. It- given, given I work for one, I better be a little optimistic, right? But nonetheless, you know, you think about it, it's a mixed bag. Kind of like we talked about the big banks, right? The super money centers, those have struggled, relative strength, making new 52-week lows, a lot of cases. Yet insurance has been literally one of the strongest subsectors that are out there. And people talk about, well, yields are higher. It should be beneficial for financials. But clearly what we've, what we've learned or relearned, maybe we should have known this, is the shape of the yield curve is definitely a big part of it with that flattening yield curve that we saw that kind of pressures at the headwind if you will for a lot of these uh financials and you talk about earnings season right we're in the middle of earnings season of 11 s p 500 sectors right the top two earnings are supposed to be earn- energy and materials because all those things were a lot cheaper a year ago financials are the big laggard i think down 26 percent year over year is what we're expected with financial earnings so what i'm getting at is a lot of negativity right here joel when you look at it with the with financials maybe they can have some potentially better news that yield curve starting to steepen a little bit again right maybe that's another tailwind we're more neutral on financials in general though to be honest uh we like some other groups more but there's still some um you know potential uh potential opportunity there on this uh on this pullback Awesome. Ryan Dietrich, I know we got to let you go. Ryan Dietrich, LPL Financial Chief Market Strategist. Always a pleasure, man. Appreciate your your research and your charts and your perspective. And uh, Joe Burrow and I back there say thanks, guys. We appreciate it. All right. All right. Go Blue. All there right. we go. Okay. You had to get it in there. I, want uh, you, Joe, I, I, I wanted to go back to the comment about it's all about timing from before because it occurred to me just just quickly to bring up interactive brokers right because look at ibkr this morning they had earnings uh last night right or maybe it was this morning i don't i don't know anymore charles schwab had earnings a couple of days ago yeah. charles schwab reported uh trading activity went down year over year because last year's first quarter was nuts okay market sees that they punish charles schwab down nine percent Interactive Brokers comes out, what, two days later, says the same exact thing, right, as Charles Schwab. It is down 1% this morning. 1%. It's not even really down much at all here. It hasn't even made a trade this morning. It was down 1% last night. Very light volume, yeah. Yeah. If you, we've said this again and again, and it's how dumb the market is, but this is the way it works. I mean, it's all about expectations going into a report. And when Charles Schwab comes out and gets hammered to the tune of 10% on their report, they just set the bar low for Robinhood. They just set the bar low for interactive brokers. Yeah. And what you see is the turnaround. And I mean, look at where Schwab, you know, was three days ago. Look at where Hood and IBKR are, and they haven't went down at all. So, I mean, now if they say anything okay and IBKR comes out in line, a little slight miss, but basically the same thing, it's slightly down. But I don't think it gets tuned up for 10% here. I maybe it's going to be down a buck or something. It looks like in the morning, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if it doesn't get hit hard at all. So, I mean, should it get hit hard? Really? It should, because, you know, was it as bad as Schwab? Maybe not, but they're saying the same stuff, but that's the way the market is. Schwab set the bar low for IBK and hood. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking at uh, uh, interactive brokers here, we are trading down 99 cents. As Dennis mentioned, uh, no trades have taken place this morning. Uh, there's last two days. Maybe take a look at the lower 63 handle. Uh, yesterday's low 63.51. Uh, your two day 63.15. So it's kind of been a little bit of a trading rage, a little bit of a strong day yesterday with the market. But looking at that as support and potential support and 
people probably wouldn't mind seeing the market. Uh, 65.47. I see a couple other closes in that area. Uh, and I just wanted to look at this like on a relative because th- th- they were off its all-time high, right? That hit 80 at the end of uh, at the end of last year. And I just wanted to see where Schwab was. Uh, yeah, that pulled back too. I mean, that's that was in ten bucks of uh, the all-time high. But there's a look at interactive brokers. Never got in the the, the merger mania um, at uh, like Morgan Stanley did and uh, and Schwab. So no. I like that. I like no. that. All right, I want to go to. Uh, I'm gonna switch gears for a second and just go to PG uh, Procter and Gamble this morning. They had earnings. Uh, beat on the earnings, raise on the guidance. They rate they raised their sales growth guidance for the year uh, from three to four percent to a four to five percent uh, raise or increase. Uh, and I mentioned the earnings also came, earnings and sales above estimates. Um, very simply put, a company that is able to pass along cost increases to the end consumer yeah impressive that they've been able to do that and i was on the record thinking it would sell off i was at 165 looking at those highs it did sell off went down to 143 but it's come all the way back here again and you just cannot break this money manager hunger for defensive stocks in 2022 it's like they get beat up and they just come in and they just can't stop buying these stocks i mean johnson and johnson was maybe the best example from yesterday they tune it up knock it down six bucks on the earnings report and they couldn't even be down there for a day and then it turns around and starts making new all-time highs that exact same day i mean there's just a hunger for money managers to buy these stocks until the overall market turns and there's an inverse correlation with johnson johnson procter campbell and, and utilities and all these stocks with the overall growth tax sentiment inverse correlation right now with the nasdaq until the nasdaq starts getting a footing these stocks probably continue to stay strong because money managers want to be invested and they don't want to be in growth that that might change and maybe it is changing right now but right now these stocks are just um innocent until proven guilty um i think you missed your chance to sell this and near 163 i even think you missed your chance to sell this near 162 uh, we faded a, a buck and a half off that uh, off that high, uh, going up to one, just over one sixty three. Uh, coming back on the downside here, I'm, I think it's support. I mean, let's see, you could get it at the top of yesterday's range, one sixty oh three, one fifty nine forty one to close. So it was struggling at that one sixty, one sixteen a quarter area, old resistance, new support, but. Uh, Thinking they have a hard time getting back up to 163. Uh, just looking ahead on the calendar to tonight, uh, big one's going to be Tesla. We are going to be streaming that call on our YouTube channel later today. Uh, but you got Tesla, you got United Airlines, CSX, Land Research. These are your headliners for tonight's earnings. Uh, Slay, so any of them uh, jump out to. Tesla. Let's talk Tesla. I mean, the resilience in this stock has been incredible as well. But don't kid yourself. Bring up the SPY and bring up the chart of Tesla. And I talk about this all the time. It's such a big component in the S&P that the typical trading in Tesla is simply S&P arbitrage. And look at the charts. I mean, they have just now mimic each other. Tesla is an as large S&P component. And I buy Tesla and short Tesla. I feel like uh, multiple times every week. 
because it's part of the S&P. And if I'm doing my hedging, I need to be in there. I need to have Tesla or be long Tesla or short Tesla. So all the ARBs just make this stock move with Tesla and SPY. Can you do that, Joel? You can't bring two charts up I'd, with each other? Uh, Spencer's well, I mean, I've got them both up right now. It's a little bit hard because the beta. Well, you got to look at it since, yeah, you're looking I, well, at the, it. Like... The beta on Tesla is so much crazier, though. So it, it, but, it... but if you just look at the action from the last even three months, yeah, the beta is going to yeah. throw you out on that. But, I mean, yeah. you can see okay. the charts that they're very similar now. Yeah. I mean, especially in the last three months. I mean, I look at just like the last month and I see, oh, the sell-off in Tesla. I see the low on the same day that the SPY made the low. Like the two charts, if I you know could show my screen here, in the last six weeks are virtually identical. Yeah, Obviously, the percentages yeah. are going to be different because you're right. Tesla's beta is a little bit higher. But for the most part, oh, it's just moving with the S&P on a higher beta. Yep, you're right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you look closely at the purple one, you can. Yeah, see. again, because this is a percentage chart. Can you just show the actual price action uh, on a percentage I, uh, basis? I, yeah, I'm sure I could, but I, I would have I don't to, know how to do it that. a little bit. And okay, I'm not because I'm actually looking at price action and price action, and these two charts look identical in the last six I, weeks. I am admittedly not. And I mean, Google and Microsoft and Apple, and it's all the same part of the same story. But on individual earnings reports, there will be differences, obviously. So it's going to matter what Tesla says. I do believe. Netflix has set the bar low for Tesla here, uh, just like they set it low for IBM, even though the companies have absolutely nothing to do with each other. It's big. It's the next big mega cap to report. So Netflix has been destroyed. If Tesla says anything okay, I think the stock rallies on it. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm looking at uh, just to keep the rally going, the rally intact, 975. Just you know, take a keep an eye on that area. I know we're 40 bucks away, but I see uh, I see four lows in the last eight sessions right at that area. That's your major uh, that's your major support. As long as that that level holds, we're just right. going to go merrily higher. And on the upside, uh, if these ooh, we're off the high of the move, mm, this is kind of choppy. You didn't get to an all time high. Uh, I mean, just use your daily highs, 1034.94, and then it opens up closer to 1050. So that's what you're looking at in shares of Tesla. Tesla is similar to Netflix in that there, there is, for simplicity's sake, there is one number that you can hang your hat Delivery. on, right? Or, or I guess one question, right? And the question is, how bad has the lockdowns in China affected their production and delivery uh, capacity? Right. That's that's the question, right? Um, we already know what, what their deliveries are because Tesla gives delivery numbers every, every month. So it, it's, it's not a question of that, but it's a question of um, are there, you know, are, are there, are there facilities like drastically disrupted and, and, and it throws off the entire estimates for the year or is it a minor inconvenience for the company? Whatever they say tonight should uh, should whatever whatever they say about that should determine the direction of the stock. It, it's it's a pretty straightforward issue. It's all about deliveries and production for them, and specifically China right now. So um, that's going to be your big one tonight. Uh, let's do some ticker time. I am trying to remember. There's a few tickers. Before we do that, Spencer, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we just got to talk about, uh, you know, it is 420. Okay. <laughs> take, yeah, take you're right. I, I didn't even, you know, I, mean, I remember, but I remember. And I, it's just the, the, I mean, you mentioned this yesterday. Yeah. MSOS is an old time low. Brutal. 
all time low. Yep. Yep. What is MSOS? That's the U.S. cannabis ETF. That's that's that widely traded. I've never even like. I don't think that's traded that much, is it? I uh, guess it is a little yeah. bit. Yeah, it is. So so much. I love pot stocks. Yeah. Um. It yeah. It hit an all time low yesterday. So it's come off those lows here. That's impressive. I mean, this is just this sector has been really a dumpster fire. Yeah. I mean, it's been really tough. The valuations were all nuts. We talked about this. I talked about this for years, and they kept getting more nuts. So I was proven wrong for a long time, but in the long run, I ended up look like being right, not to own any of these things. Tailray, five dollars all time high, three hundred. CGC, five dollars all time high, sixty. I mean, it was just the valuations on all these things. It was just the hype was too much. Valuations got nuts, and they've come in and they've come back to reality. Is there value here at some point in time? Yeah, these are real businesses, and a lot of these businesses aren't going away. But you just got to look at market cap still and say, okay, can it justify it? Because it's really a crop. That's what it is. you know. And I was always saying, like with Afria, it's a greenhouse full of pot plants. Is it worth $7 billion when the greenhouse next door is worth you know, $10 million that's full of cucumbers? So you're comparing, oh, they got pot plants, though, so they're worth $7 billion, But the greenhouse next door is the same size and everything's worth $10 million. I mean, there was a huge disconnect there. That connection has come back. I don't think it's come back even enough yet, though. So there's going to be, you know, it's going to be stocks that, you know, come up and go down. It's not going to go straight down. But overall, the path of least resistance continues to be lower on the pot stocks. I never like making stocks make new lows. With that being said, you got good support at five bucks on CGC. You got good support at five bucks on Tilray. So. I guess if you want to take a shot, you know where your stopout is. You you uh you differed there. You usually say a greenhouse full of tomatoes. You went with the yeah. Cucumber. I went with the cucumbers. <laughs> I should go tomatoes. Um, but yeah, yeah, so I mean, it, it's really what it is. I mean, in the long run, and you can buy anything on hype and story, and you can make money. But in the long run, valuation does matter. If you plan on buying a stock and holding it for ten years, nothing matters except valuation. And is it reasonable? So meaning that it can grow into that valuation. Obviously, you know, Tesla back in the day grew in to a certain extent to its valuation, still hasn't, you know, maybe caught up with it all. But I mean, there's lots of stocks that, you know, are have growth at a reasonable price. And I've always tried to invest that way. Sometimes you know, it works, sometimes it doesn't. But overall, I feel like you do better with, you know, buying stocks at a reasonable growth rate, um, you know, good growth, reasonable price, as opposed to just buying growth at any cost. Um, I just threw a list of the four pot stocks that I own up on the screen going back two years. I will maintain that if you are looking to take a small flyer on growth as part of a you know broader diversified strategy, there are there are worse there's worse you could do than pot. I, I, I still maintain that. I'm not selling any of my any of my These are the US ones. These are the right? US ones, yes. Which is players. a different story. So when you yes. go to CGC and Kronos and all those, those were all Canadian. Yeah, different and, story. And and this was the competition coming for them, really. I mean, because it, it and obviously it was competition came from independents and you know, private companies in Canada as well. But it's a little bit of a different story. Same ugly story that they all topped out in January or February twenty twenty one. But, I mean, there's still some return there. If you go back to, you know, do the same chart there for the Canadian ones, I don't think they're up in the uh, last two no, years. No, they're not. Completely <laughs> different story. Different story entirely. Uh, we got a super chat about, uh, this. Is, it's, been, it's been a minute since we talked about uh, any SPAC at all, but there is speculation on IPOF that it could, that that's uh, Chamath's or one of his uh, SPACs. And speculation that, that that could be taking Starlink public, which is Elon's... Uh, satellite um 
everything company. Um, it, it has been going up on increasing volume uh, in the past couple of days, but I, I, I don't know if speculating on SPAC takeovers is, is, is the right thing right now. I mean, Chris, that, that this Chris Catchy was doing some research, and I love the Catchy research. I mean, there is a play here that you could say, okay, well, the bottom on these things is like nine ninety ten because you get to ten bucks back. Yeah. So people are you got fifty five cent risk to look at the potential upside of that, but you do have that five, six, seven percent risk. That's pretty much where you're at. I mean, they could buy something you don't like, and then you can always get your ten bucks back, which is nice. That's the nice thing about spacs. But you know, there's a bazillion of these spacs out there that are still looking for a deal. So it's kind of like finding the needle in a haystack to say, okay, this one's going to be the one. And, you know, is, is Musk going to go SPAC route or is he going to, you know, go the other route? I'd love to own Starlink. So you could speculate. You could come in here. You got 5%, 6% risk, though, which isn't crazy. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, so I don't mind the catchy call. I love Chris Catchy. So yeah. All right. You know that. All right. Is he in the chat right now? I uh, don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't Mitch, know. Mitch's partner in crime. Um. All right. Well, let's go here. Man, I wish I could remember. I, I didn't write down. There was a few tickers at the top of the show. That we were asked about. I don't remember what they were, unfortunately. I'm sorry. I didn't write them down. Um, what? Uh, yeah, Mike, noting we didn't talk about Twitter today or yesterday on this Oh, my show. gosh. What we, we didn't doing? talk about Twitter for two days. Well, we talked about Twitter at the top a little bit. What a level, though, Joel. I know. you. you I called call. the 45 level before it was a level. I know. You did. You did. And uh, it's, that's I, it. I mean. Can for, you believe this level? I know. Four, I look know. at the lows and what we're talking about. 44.71 on the 11th, yep. 44.44 on the 12th, 44.55 on the 13th, 44.72 yep. on the 14th, yep. 44.36. I mean, obviously, they're just pricing in a binary event. The risk arbs are like, we're going to sit here, this thing at 45.46 until we get further clarity on whether there's going to be a deal or no deal. What was that show? Wasn't it called Deal or No Deal? Deal or No Deal. Howie Mandel. Great. Yeah, that's Howie Mandel. That's the stock right now. It's deal or no deal. Let's and if it's no deal, it's 35 hard. bucks. If it's deal, it could be 55 or more. So, but I mean, that's where you're at. And they're just pricing it out right in the middle. Stuck in Technicals the don't work, man. Technicals don't work. It's waiting for what does. Right in the, middle. <laughs> the risk guards are yeah. boom right here. Yeah. It's going to go like this on no deal or it's going to go like this on deal. And it's yeah. just sitting here waiting for more information. So it's a wait and see game. If you're you know what they're doing too? They're they're flipping it out at fifty two. Not not fifty two, but for a while because you've had the move, basically, uh, you know, a ten point move, right? Forty nine, half of that. Look at the highs in the last three sessions, right under there, forty eight and a half, forty eight seventy three, forty eight and a half. So it's getting tight. I don't. I mean, I, I, what what are they? What are they going to? Like when's this thing gonna be over? It's just it's gonna go on for forever. I mean, Bravo, no one's come out with a bid. No one, you know, besides Elon at the fifty-four twenty. The street doesn't believe that uh the company is gonna take it. I is it worth that? I don't I don't know. I don't yeah, I don't know. That's how, how bad Musk wants it. If he wants it bad enough, he can take it. Um, but to to the point of David Faber yesterday, who honestly on CNBC is just excellent. I mean, you think about all the nonsense commentary you get off CNBC bone favor talks, and he's got in, he's got information, he's connected, and he was saying that you know for the most part there isn't this you know white knight coming that's going to trump you know um, Musk's bid here. It's like Musk or bust really, and I don't even know how much help he's going to get with it. So it depends all on how much Musk wants it. But to your point, Joel. There's not a lot of people come paying $60, $70 for Twitter. No. It's, it doesn't make sense. Musk, Musk wants it. 
he doesn't even want it because of valuation. He just wants it because he wants it. So that's the bonus for Twitter shareholders. But if there is, you know, if Musk says, okay, that's it, I give up and packs it in, the stock's under $35. So you have a 10, 12 point risk here if there's no deal. And that's why it goes right back to deal or no deal. Musk really wants it and he can and he pays $55 or $60 for it, you're going to make some money. So it's in coin flip territory. At 52 53 it was a screaming sell because all the upside was priced in. But yeah. at 45 you're just in coin flip territory. All right. It is 9 o'clock. We are ending the show and going live to day one of the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference. Mike Tyson and Rick Flair. Oh, my gosh. Mike Tyson there. Later today. And Rick Flair. And Ric Flair, check the agenda. Ric Flair, too. Why am I not there? You have Ric Flair there and you have Mike Tyson there? I'm also not there. These are like two. Oh, Ric Flair. Woo! Woo! That's it. Woo! Smash that like button, please, and thank you. Thanks to our guests. You're biting, wooing. You got everything there, man. Everything. This conference is freaking massive. We took up like an entire, the entire Fountain Blue Hotel uh it down in miami beach so it's it looks like it's a, a ton of fun yesterday went great today should be even better so i'm gonna send you guys over there now we'll be back Excellent. at 3 30 for out to close until then have a great rest of your day stay green out there everyone Woo! special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.